Thank you for listening to the Rivers Church podcast with Pastor Andre and the Rivers team. Be sure to subscribe for a weekly dose of encouragement and inspiration to help your daily life. We pray that this message will help in whatever season of life you might be in. As I was driving in today, I saw the sign and the statement for 2022 of Rivers Church, which is to rebuild. And I want to talk around that concept today, but I want to do so from a very practical and biblical way that if we're going to rebuild in this hour, it is going to require a spirit of evangelism. It's going to require us not just looking within, but us looking outward to the cities that we are in, to the locations that we are in, to our neighborhoods, to our cities, to our towns, that we would go and reach people that we might see the house full Go into the highways and the byways and compel people into God's house. And today, for a few moments, I wanted to preach around a title that might be a little bit strange, but I believe as we look at God's word, it's going to make more sense. Uh, if you're taking notes today, I sure hope you're taking notes. Research shows us that 98% of people who take notes get bigger mansions in heaven, okay? <laughs> and I, I want to preach from the subject, the Jesus method. The Jesus method. What was Jesus' method to evangelism? What was Jesus' method to reaching people? That word method, maybe you've heard it before, but it by definition means a procedure or a technique, a way of doing something in accordance with a definite plan. What was the method of Jesus' ministry in Luke chapter 19, uh, Jesus encounters this guy by the name of Zacchaeus. If you've grown up in church, you, you know the story. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, a wee little man was he. It's a beautiful Christian song. Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector, and he wanted to see who Jesus was, and he got up on a tree, and Jesus passes through, and as Jesus is coming through uh, Jericho, he sees Zacchaeus, calls him out of the tree, and says, Zacchaeus, you come down, I'm going to your house today. When he does this, there's this little verse that says that all the people begin to mutter that Jesus has gone to be the guest of a sinner. I've always loved that little verse. I think whenever there's a work of God taking place, I know this is true of Rivers Church, there will always be people on the outside muttering. He's gone to be the guest of a sinner. Jesus goes to Zacchaeus' house and the people are outraged. And maybe we could look at the text in Luke chapter 19 and say, why are they outraged? There's two reasons why they're outraged. The first reason is because Zacchaeus is a tax collector. And it's a very, very hard thing for us to understand a tax collector in our modern day age because we don't really have tax collectors, but the best way to think about it is an organized criminal. This is like a mafia member. This is a bad guy who is oppressing his very own people. They were hated because they were seen even from uh, the worst of society as oppressive people that were abusing people. They were the picture of what a sinner is. Now here's Jesus, this rabbi, this good man, and he's going to his house. What on earth does this righteous man have to do with this unrighteous man? But it wasn't just that he was just a tax collector. The second reason why they were outraged is because he's going to have a meal with them. You see, in this time period, having meals with people, well, meals, as one scholar said, were boundary markers. 
They were a way to say, you do not belong. It was a way of keeping people out. And all throughout Jesus' ministry, what you will discover is he's eating with people that he's not supposed to be eating with. And even in the last hundred years, we can still see that this is true, that meals and the dinner table, more often than not, are a picture of where racism or classism, where all of a sudden it can exist. In my nation with uh, the civil rights movement, black people had to eat in this place and white people had to eat in that place. And meals were, were boundary markers. They were an announcement to keep people out. Yet Jesus, more often than not, would use the dinner table as his place of ministry. So the people are outraged. He's with a tax collector, and he's having a meal with them. And it's from that place in Luke chapter 19 that Jesus declares and announces his mission. And we must understand it as the body of Christ. Luke chapter 19, verse 10. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. This is the mission of Jesus. If you're wondering what is the mission of the church, it's this right here. That we would seek and save those that are broken, those that are lost, those that are hurting, those that are living in darkness. Is there anybody in this service today that would say, I want the mission of Jesus to be the mission of my life and the mission of this church. If that's you, why don't you put your hands together and thank the Lord today. Anybody grateful that he came and found you? This is the mission of Jesus. So I know his mission. Now what is his method for achieving his mission? It's amazing as you read and study the Gospel of Luke, there's only two times that Jesus announces himself with the title, the Son of Man. You say, Rich, why is that important? Well, the Son of Man is prophetic language from the book of Daniel which is the announcement that I am the Messiah. I am the one you have been waiting for. I am God in the flesh. We see it in Luke chapter 19. but The second time we see it is in Luke chapter 7. And I want to draw your attention to Luke chapter 7 verse 33. Because I believe in Luke chapter 7 verse 33, we get his method. Here it is. Luke chapter 7, verse 33, for John the Baptist came neither eating bread nor drinking wine, and you say he has a demon. But the Son of Man came eating and drinking, and you say, here is a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is proved right by all her children. Two times in Luke's gospel, the announcement of the title, the Son of Man. Once in Luke chapter 19, we get his mission. Second time, Luke chapter 7, we get his method. What is the method of Jesus when it comes to evangelizing? It is this little phrase right here that so often has gotten lost in our modern day culture. The method of Jesus is eating and drinking. Some of you are like, what? This is what we're gathering around today on a Sunday morning? Oh yeah, the charge today, if we're going to rebuild right here at Rivers Church, if we want to evangelize, we're going to evangelize with the ancient practice known as the practice of hospitality. Come on, somebody. Let's go ahead and give God some praise. 
It is the practice of hospitality that the method of Jesus from time and time again, as you discover in the Gospels, is that he would sit down and have a meal with people. And it's known as the practice of hospitality. And I firmly believe in 2022 that one of our most significant ways that we will fulfill the mission of Jesus is if we can rekindle and reclaim the practice of hospitality through the method of eating and drinking with people. There's 50 references in Luke's gospel to Jesus eating. There's 94 references in Matthew's gospel with Jesus and food. One New Testament scholar, Robert Cheris, said, in Luke's gospel, Jesus was either going to a meal, at a meal, or coming from a meal. Jesus liked to eat. And right here in Luke chapter 7, what's taking place is that Jesus, he is just sent John's disciples back to John in a prison cell where John is doubting if Jesus is the Messiah because John is saying, I have been preparing the way for the Messiah, but I always thought that I would rule and reign with the Messiah, but now here I am in a prison cell about to die, and I'm just wondering, are you the one who was to come, or is there someone else coming? And what does Jesus do? He then looks out at the crowd and looks at the disciples. He quotes the prophet Isaiah. says, the blind receive sight, the lame walk, the deaf hear. Blessed are those that hear this news and do not fall away on account of me. One of the toughest things he says in the New Testament is, hey, go tell John that the church is growing, that revival is breaking out, but tell John I'm not going to save John in the way that John wants to be saved. Hey, John, you're going to die in that prison cell. But, John, you will be more blessed if you do not lose faith on the very fact that I do not fulfill your wish. But, John, I want you to know that, yes, I am the one that the prophet Isaiah was talking about. It is happening before our very eyes. And they go back with the word, and as they go back with the word to John, Jesus starts to brag about John. Isn't that funny? He starts saying nice stuff about John, but John never heard the nice stuff that Jesus was saying. You know, God gossips. But when he gossips about you, he says good things about you. He speaks highly over you. He believes in your family. He believes in who you are. He said there is no one born of a woman greater than John. But then he speaks about John. He says, the thing is, is you people are amazing because John was here and he lived on this earth and he did not drink wine, he did not break bread, he was out in the desert, but you declared that he was a, had demons in him, that he was preaching a false teaching. But now the Son of Man, now the Messiah has come eating and drinking with tax collectors, and you've called me a glutton and a drunkard. But wisdom is proved right by all our children. This is just a metaphor to say, hey, over time, we're going to discover where the real fruit bears. Now, I do not believe that Jesus was a drunkard nor a glutton. However, he must have been at quite a few meals for him to gain a reputation as a drunkard and a glutton. <laughs> Say, Rich, why are you saying this? I'm saying this because I think many times in our day and age, we have lost this art 
that somehow we believe that it's up to Pastor Andre to evangelize all of South Africa. And somehow we have given up our responsibility, we have given up our mission as individual people of the body of Christ to say, what can we do? Can we play our part to sit down with our neighbors, to sit down with the people in our community? And can we break bread with them? And can we have a conversation about Jesus? I'm telling you what, if we're gonna rebuild, we have to reclaim the art of hospitality and we need the method of Jesus, which is to meet people where they are and break bread with them. Jesus did not use meals as boundary markers. Jesus, in many ways, you could say he ushered in his kingdom one meal at a time. How are we going to change South Africa? One meal at a time. I still believe in this politically, I mean, polarizing super divided world that we are living in, I still believe, you can call me an idealist, I still believe that we could solve most of the world's problems if we could just get people to sit down and have dinner together. Come on, somebody. Just have a meal together. Hospitality, by definition, is the friendly reception the hosting of people. I like to define hospitality as this, as the means of turning strangers into friends. I love this church. Woo, yeah, yeah, let me just brag on your church for a little bit. Maybe, maybe, I know you haven't had a guest speaker in a long time and you haven't been in person with a guest speaker. This place is special. And one of the things that sticks out very quickly is the hospitality of this house. The, the servant leadership of this house, the excellence of this house, that when you walk in, so many people in this house aren't playing the role of guest, they're playing the role of host. And everything starts to change when you stop seeing yourself as a guest and you start seeing yourself as the host. Jesus was so allegedly the guest of sinners. He was allegedly the guest of Zacchaeus, but in reality, Although he was in Zacchaeus' house, he was still playing the role of the host. I don't care where I go, I've met Jesus. I know Jesus. If I'm in your house, if I'm in the restaurant last night, I'm playing the role of the host. I'm adopting the method of Jesus. I know his mission. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. His method was the practice of hospitality, eating and drinking with people. I want to give you just three basic thoughts in the next 20 minutes. I just want you to write these down. I think these are going to be really helpful. And this is a really practical message on this concept of rebuilding in 2022. That your best days as a church, they're not behind you, they're in front of you. The best is yet to come. It's not a cliche. I have this, I have a rooted belief system that God is always working from grace to grace, from strength to strength, from glory to glory. He is taking us from mountaintop to mountaintop. But how many of y'all know, in order to get to, you gotta go through. So he's taken us through some stuff. There have been lots of restrictions. But here you are today, you're in God's house, and God says, I'm still establishing my kingdom. How are we gonna do it? Is it from epic moment to epic moment? No, more often than not, it's from meal to meal. One meal at a time. Three, three basic thoughts around the Jesus method. Number one, if you care about someone's eternity, 
show them by serving their reality. This is just so important that we get this. Uh, I'm grateful for the way that I was trained to evangelize, but I got to be honest with you, I think it's kind of odd to walk up to somebody on a park bench and say, if you were to die tonight, do you know where you would spend eternity? I think if I care about their eternity, I need to show them by serving their reality. This word, hospitality, this is not a new word. It's just a word that isn't talked a whole lot about to the body of Christ like it once was. Look at Romans chapter 12, verse 13. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Watch this. Practice hospitality. Practice hospitality is what Paul says to the church in Rome. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8. Above all, someone say above all. Love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Serve each other. Host one another. Break bread together without grumbling. Watch this. This is Paul writing to a young Timothy, to a young disciple. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. Here is a trustworthy saying. Whoever aspires to be an overseer desires a noble task. Now the overseer is to be above reproach, faithful to his wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable. Here's the word, hospitable. Able to teach, not given to drunkenness, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own family well and see that his children obey him, and he must do so in a manner worthy of full respect. For if anyone does not know how to manage his own family, how can he take care of God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may become conceited and fall into the same judgment as the devil. He must also have a good reputation with outsiders so that he will not fall into disgrace into the devil's trap. Now, I gave you seven verses there because this is typically used for young leaders when it gives the qualifications if you are worthy of the calling to be a minister in God's house. And I read all that because many of you have heard that before, and many of you, you expect that out of your leaders, and many of you who are leaders in this house, you expect this out of yourself. i got to be honest with you, I have been in church for the last 38 years of my life. And I have seen all sorts of things happen in the body of Christ. I've seen really beautiful things. I've seen really tragic things. I've seen leaders sat down and dismissed or disqualified for all sorts of things, for having an affair, for stealing money, for being abusive towards people. I've seen all of those things. I've seen pastors on the front pages of newspapers. You know what I've never seen in 38 years? Pastor, fired by his church, hasn't had a meal with somebody from the city in over a year. But it's in the same list as all of the other stuff. What have we lost? Somehow we have minimized this word hospitality and we think this is some secondary thing. But Paul, when he writes to Timothy, he puts it with all of the big categories like drunkenness and managing your own home. What is Paul saying? Paul is saying, Timothy, if you're going to lead, you need to lead in the same method and procedure and process as our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He was a host. Come on, somebody make a little bit of noise. We need hospitality. Look at what Hebrews says. 
Chapter 13, verse one, keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Do not forget to show hospitality, here it is, to strangers. For by so doing some, some people have shown hospitality to angels without even knowing it. Ooh, that ought to get you excited. Especially if you fall into that super Spiro camp. That you just, you just always want more of God's presence. I just, man, why don't we talk more about the deeper things and the mystical things of God? All right, all right, all right. You want some supernatural stuff? You want some spiritual stuff, man? When you start practicing hospitality, you don't even know you might be entertaining angels. Pretty awesome. Pastor, I just, think we, I just think, you know, the services have gotten so programmed and so short and just in and out. All right, all right. I just, I want to invite the angels into our house. All right, all right, all right, all right. We can do that. When you go over to the coffee shop today or whatever place today that you're having a meal, I dare you. I dare you. Just do something crazy. Buy the guy's coffee in line behind you. You want to see the supernatural? You want to see somebody freak out <laughs> at Starbucks later today? Just, and sir, what are you having? What am, what am I having? Yeah, I, just, I wanted to buy your coffee. You, you, want, to, you want to what? I just want to purchase your coffee. What? No, why? Why would you do that? I just, you know, my Lord and Savior, he saved me. And I just wanted to, you know, be generous and show you hospitality. Oh, man, why, you know? <laughs> oh man, my dad. Like, you have no idea what's going to come up, you know? All because you just showed hospitality. I'm telling you what, guys, it's God's word. Let's rebuild. If we care about people's eternity, show them by serving the reality. Number two, write this down. You might not like this point, but this is true. Sermons don't change people. Conversations do. Some of them right now just, the Pharisee on the inside of you is getting very upset. How dare you say that to me? Of course I believe in the preaching of God's word. Of course I believe in the power of a sermon. This is what I do with my life. I, I love to preach and proclaim God's word. But what I have learned over and over again is that preaching and sermons, they actually don't change people. They just behave as a catalyst for change. Think about your spiritual formation. Think about who you are today, especially those of you here in the early service. I don't know what service you're watching today, but those of you at the early service, I can already tell, this is a mature audience in the Lord. But you didn't just wake up mature in the Lord. Somebody was guiding you and forming you. You heard Pastor Andre teach something and then you left the service and you had a conversation around it. And as you had a conversation, the truth got deeper and deeper and deeper into you. I just want to remind all of us in this room that we gather together to proclaim the gospel, to be reminded of what he did for us. He fills us up in order to spill us out. We gather in order to scatter. I don't know if you've ever just considered this before, but like, have you ever wondered how on earth 2,000 years later are we still announcing and declaring the mission of Jesus? Like, how on earth did 12 
uneducated fishermen, tax collectors, sinners, meet a Jewish carpenter named Jesus, and then some 2,000 years later, this faith, this belief known as Christianity, is the largest belief system in the entire world. It has spanned the globe many times over. I mean, you can go to places where Christianity is persecuted. You can go to communist China today, and there is someone there with a page of the Bible, and they are announcing it and proclaiming it because it's alive, and there's a work happening there. For generations, people have given their life for this gospel. How did all that happen? How did it spread? How did we build a building like this? Why do we gather? How did this happen? Well, as you study church history, what you'll discover is in the fourth century, there was this guy by the name of Constantine. He was a Roman emperor, and he actually changed it and made it a mandate that Christianity became the religion of the day. But you say, why would he do that? Why would he do that? For the first four centuries, Christianity was persecuted. It was illegal to be a Christian. How? How did they spread the gospel without sound systems and LED screens and Instagram and, and really good communicators with little microphones and sharp outfits and without car parks? And how did they, how did they spread? It was illegal. I'll tell you how they did it. They did it from meal to meal to meal. They would gather in homes and they would say, wow, Jesus changed my life and I can't quit talking about it. It wasn't conferences and it wasn't programs. It was real everyday people who had an encounter with a living God and then they would sit at meals in quiet places and they would have conversations. Before you know it, Constantine, all of a sudden he had to make a decision in order to keep unity because all of a sudden a minority group of Jewish people had spread this faith so much that it was revival even in the midst of persecution. How'd they do it? One meal at a time. I love Jesus. Jesus preached fiery sermons. No doubt about it. You can see his method. There's times where he says harsh things. You ever hear him talk to the Pharisees? You brood of vipers. Like, whoa, bro. Like, no doubt he preached truth to power. I love preaching. I mean, I, you get me in the right environment, I got a shofar, I will blow the trumpet, bro. I'll, I'll run laps around this place with the best of y'all. I'll wave flags, I'll, sh I'll speak in tongues. I, I love it. But what I am learning as a leader in 2022 you have to know your audience. You have to know your moment. If I am in front of an audience of cultural Christians that believe the framework of God's word, I'm saying let it rip, preach, shout, cheer, have church. But for God's sakes, if you're with somebody who's been hurt by the church, if you're with somebody who doesn't feel like they belong in the church, if you're with somebody who's been marginalized or oppressed or who's hurting, have the decency and the wherewithal to say, come to my house, sit down. Let's break some bread. Let me pour you a glass of wine and let's have a conversation. Let's have a conversation. Let's not just tweet about it and post about it. Let's talk about it. Because it's in conversation that lives are changed. They're changed. Number three, as we close today, the Jesus method. 
Do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. Really simple. I think in a church like Rivers, it's such a large church that you can kind of look around and say, man, what kind of a difference could I make here? Rebuild. Pastor Andre and Pastor Vilma, they'll do that. This This place is great. They got it all under control. Look at all this. I mean, this place is going awesome. Let me just be honest with you. This place is going great. God is doing an awesome work here. But let me just tell you what, it could be even better with your participation. This is a great church. It's just greater with you involved. It's just greater with you playing your part. And we can look at a place like South Africa, and by no means would I come in as a guest and give feedback sociologically or psychologically or even theologically for what needs to happen in this hour. But what I can tell you is this, is we can look at the challenges of this nation and we can become so overwhelmed that it paralyzes us into a place of apathy that why would I do anything? There's too many problems. There's too many challenges. There's poverty and there's racism and there's histories and there's, there's, there's challenges. I don't know how to solve all of it. I'll tell you how you start, by doing something. Do for one person what you wish you could do for every person. And so I just tell our church this way. Make it your practice. When I come to church, after I leave God's house, I'm going to have a meal somewhere. It's either in my home, it's either at a restaurant, and at that meal, I'm going to invite someone. I'm I'm gonna get someone. I'm gonna get someone from my team, someone from my small group, someone from my service, someone from my row, and we're gonna go break bread. we're just going to be practicing with it. We're going to leave church today. We're going to go have a conversation. Yo, that guy from Miami with the striped sweater, he was kind of passionate and loud. But man, some of that stuff I liked. What'd you like? What'd you not like? What, what spoke to you? And have a conversation. Host someone. Be hospitable. Have a meal. Do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. Can't all go to pastor's house, but you can go to someone else's house. Have that type of spirit. There is a lot of narratives going around today that the Church of Jesus Christ is uh, a place that takes advantage of people. That the Church of Jesus Christ, oh, it's, it's an oppressive place. It, it's an exclusive place. The most exclusive statement in all the New Testament was when Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. But I think all of life is always about perspective. You could say that is so exclusive. Or you can say, that's very specific. I think Jesus is just being specific because he loves you so much to say, you want to know how to get to heaven? You don't get to heaven unless you come through me. He's not trying to keep people out. He's trying to get people in. (laughs) And you ought to know when it comes to the history of the church that no, it's not a perfect history, but it's a beautiful history. You ought to realize that the church of Jesus Christ has done more for humanity than any other organization in the history of the world. Guess where the word hospitality comes from? It comes from the word hospital. See that most modern day hospitals were started by the church. Most major universities started by the church to enrich people's lives, to help people. And when I think about Rivers Church, you know what I see? I see a hospital. That this is a place where all can belong. This is a place that if you're broken, if you're tired, if you have been pushed out of society, if you feel disenfranchised, if you are hurting, 
Come into God's house, all of you who are weary and heavy burden, and Jesus will give you rest. Why? Because this house is a hospital for the hurting. This house is a hospital for those that are in need of grace. Anybody believe it today? And that's who Jesus is. He says, I want to carry you. And I died not just for the masses and for the crowd. I died for the one. Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house today. And I'm going to have a meal with you. And our society would say, I can't eat with you. You're, you're a tax collector. And this meal, I'm Jewish and you're a sinner. But I'm going to use this meal as my method to get to your heart. And what happens? Zacchaeus stands up. We don't even hear Jesus' sermon. We just know that they have a moment together. And Zacchaeus, he stands up and he makes an announcement. He gives a reasonable response to the presence of God. He says, I want to give half, half of what I have taken from people. I want to give half of my wealth to the poor. I'm not talking about a tithe. We're talking about he wants to give 50% of his wealth to the poor. And he says, if I've stolen from anybody, I want to give them back four times the amount that I've taken. I would call this absurd, radical generosity. Where did it come from? It came from the radical, ordinary hospitality of Jesus. <laughs> Jesus is here right now. He wants to serve you and he wants to meet you. And the reasonable response is, Lord, I want to give you my life. All I can do is testify about what Jesus has done in my life. He is everything. He is everything. He has changed me and transformed me. I have fallen many times, but the scripture says, the righteous man, he falls seven times, but he gets back up. It's only by his grace that he carries me. I was talking to a friend. He's on the outskirts of church, and we were having this deep conversation one night over a meal, and I was trying to minister and trying to evangelize, and I just kind of kept coming back with Jesus and kept coming back with the gospel. And he said, man, that's what I can't stand about you, Rich. He's like, it sounds like Jesus for you is a crutch. Sounds like any difficult thing in your life, you just, you just look to Jesus. It just sounds like a crutch for you. I said, man, you got it so wrong. I go, it's far worse and far bigger than that. I said, Jesus is not a crutch for me. Jesus is a stretcher. Because without Jesus, I can't move one step. I'm not just leaning on him. Come on, somebody. He is carrying me all the way. For when I am weak, he is strong. I came into the hospital called his house. And I encountered his body and his bride and his people. And they met me where I was. They didn't just care about my eternity. They cared about my reality. They didn't just preach at me. They talked to me. They didn't just tell the masses to do something. Individuals came around me and met me where I was. And today, I follow Jesus. And his mission, my mission. I'm away from my babies today because my mission is to seek and save the lost. And how do I do it? The Jesus method. Radical, ordinary hospitality. How are we going to rebuild this church? When you and I leave this room today and practice the art of hospitality, eating and drinking with people around the name of Jesus Christ. Come on, if you believe that, would you go ahead and put your hands together and thank God. We hope you have been blessed and inspired by this message. 